0: Lord, I just wish it would blow our minds more, the idea that we are new creatures in Christ, um, that we come together. Maybe we've gotten used to inhabit, but let us never uh, get comfortable or, or indifferent to the idea that we're coming in your presence. And It's only safe because the righteousness of Christ covers us. And the wonderful thing about that is that it will always cover us. You will never leave us or forsake us. And you will see us to the end, for the work has been finished. Uh, Father, I know many of us are tired and maybe have our minds elsewhere. Father, please as uh, glorify your name today by helping us to focus in, soften our hearts, and, and grant us ears to hear, Lord, to take those things that are good and pleasing and to hear them, to retain them, and then to live them, Lord. We need you in all these things, From apart from you we can do nothing. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, all right. So today is the last day. Man, 13 weeks. Uh, We've been through. I'm going to do a little review here. I have my little list. Essentially, what we went through is the disciplines of the faith. So that's just the things that we see in Scripture that God now commands and we are now naturally inclined to do in our, new crea- in our new creaturely status to do for his glory. So we talked about how we are to engage in scripture. We talked about prayer. We talked about the confession of sin. We talked about fasting, evangelism, serving, stewardship. This could be of family and, and, your, and the resources God has given you. And we talked about going through the spiritual fruit So today, and I think rightly so, uh, the last kind of category is perseverance. So, as we know, the goal of all spiritual disciplines is to be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Another way to put that is sanctification, but ultimately is godliness. We want to live in such a way that the greatest desire in our heart, which is to love the Lord and make much of him, is made manifest in everything that we do. Um, These disciplines are meant to help us grow in this holiness as we actively practice them in our lives. Um, We've been learning this whole time is that growing in Christ is not a passive endeavor. It's not something that's just going to happen if you just wake up enough times. God has called us to action. The Bible says that we are to be diligent in pursuing holiness with, of course, God's assistance all around it. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, uh, we hear we are to train ourselves for godliness. As those who have been redeemed by Christ, all of us will desire to grow in holiness. This is because God has given us new hearts that seek to obey him and to live for his glory. I think we would also agree that the practice of these various disciplines is critical, like we said earlier, if sanctification is to take place. So then... Here's kind of the challenge, right? God calls us to train ourselves in godliness, and many times it feels like the life's day-to-day grind almost seems to be in contradiction or maybe in resistance to that, right? I'm sure all of us have had those days, man, I really wanted to read my Bible, but, right? I I really was thinking of doing this, but, so I... Like, how does this work, right? Do we, do we go off and live in a cave and just do godly things, right? Or do we just say, well, if it, if it comes, it comes. If it doesn't, doesn't. Of course, it's neither of those extremes, right? The wonderful thing about Christianity is not something like a cap that you put on only on certain days or certain times. Christianity, at essence, is that you are a new being. So everything that you relate in can now and ought to be used for the glory of God. Right, we see in Scripture talking about whether you eat or drink to do to the glory of God. And then the Bible also says anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. We can be tempted to feel as though we need to practice the disciplines in order to meet a certain standard or performance in our Christian walk. Oftentimes this leads us to maybe be, whether we realize it or not, kind of, living a message that is more work-based or performance-based than grace-based. And so I just want to encourage you and remind you that doing the disciplines is not what saves us. Christ saves us. Christ changes us so that we can now live in light of what he has done. Like we always tend to talk about in here, it's the difference between the root of a tree and the fruit of a tree. Both are essential, and you can use one to kind of tell the other, but the root will always precede the fruit. And so our salvation comes in Christ by grace alone through faith alone. Oftentimes we might feel that these disciplines can feel like a heavy burden, and I know it. It's as like when Paul says, he says, why is it that I don't do what I know I ought to do, and then I do that which I don't want to do? And in one sense, I want you to be encouraged by that dissonance um, because I think that's one of the uh, clear experiences of realizing, oh, I am a new creature. Prior to Christ, we would do that which we wanted to do, and we didn't do what we didn't want to do, and none of it honored the Lord. Now there's an actual fight because we are different. We now have different affections. But nonetheless, the fight is still there. But these disciplines, like I said, are not meant to be a bondage to shackle us down. Christ has purchased our freedom on the cross. He has freed us from the bondage of sin, and he has freed us from any other bondage, including one that we may have of, I must work to have his pleasure in me. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. One thing I want to make sure we understand that freedom maybe is not defined as the world defines it, right? The world sees freedom as freedom from any authority in my life other than me, right? The Bible inherently makes it very clear that there is always authority above men, and that is God. So it's not a freedom from authority, but a freedom from false or wrong authorities, right? You are now free to be the slave of the master you should have always been a slave to, right? Not you are free to do whatever you want, right? And then once, well, as Jesus says, if, if, you are sin, if you sin, you are a slave to sin. So even those who feel that they are free are actually not free. They're in bondage to, as the Bible says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of the eyes, pride of the world. Um, so instead of regarding these disciplines as chores, we should see them as a means of grace that God has kindly given to us for our spiritual good and His glory, we do not practice, or we ought not to practice, these disciplines in order to earn some sort of merit with God. We practice them out of love and gratitude for what God has already done for us in Christ. So, at the same time, we, I, like I said, I know that sometimes we can separate. Like, oh, he's a really strong Christian. I wish I could be that person, but I'm busy. Uh, it's not how that works godly people are made through the disciplines and oftentimes if not all of us here are busy people as well right the godly person is often devoted to god and to his people and often their schedule is packed with doing the things that they have to do day to day to survive and then including all those things to serve god and his people we see this in scripture as well, right? In Mark's gospel, we kind of call it the action gospel. We see a lot of words like, Jesus did this, immediately he went here, and then immediately he did this. You know, he, he stayed healing the people from sun up to sun down, and then after that, he went to go pray and be alone. We see a lot of busyness in the life of our Lord. We also see that in Paul's life, right? He calls his life a race that he ran well. He, he calls his life as being one poured out like a drink offering. And he says also as well, being spent for others. If we were to compare his life to what we often hear in America as needing a balanced life, um, he might have been considered a workaholic. He might have been considered an unbalanced man. Yet, Don Whitney writes, Scripture confirms what observation perceives. Laziness never leads to godliness. All this to say... Spiritual disciplines have always been practices which can make a godly person out of a busy person. They aren't just intended for people with lots of time on their hands. It's foolish of us to put them off until we think we'll be less busy. No matter how busy we are, the spiritual disciplines are necessary for our growth and grace and holiness. One thing I also want us to consider is that we're all in different seasons of life, yeah? Some of us here are married many years in, Some of us are married with young kids. Some of us are married with kids who are adults. Some of us are single. Some of us are courting. Some of us are retired. Understand that sometimes it's the season of life that kind of dictates how much time we have to give. You ought to give time, but don't be, sometimes I can feel guilt or we can feel guilt when it's like, man, when I was single, I had so much time for the Lord. Now I'm married. I feel like I'm just not honoring the Lord. But remember, like we said, one of the things that you have to kind of remove from your mind is somehow like godliness is somehow separate from living life. It's not like that, right? So for those of you who are maybe young and do have, let's say, more of that time, and I know (laughs) the reality is I don't think anyone in here feels like they have too much time. Uh, Even children, I mean, as a kid, I never have time. I have homework. I have to clean my room. The reality is you will always feel busy, and that's probably a good thing. But as I always tell younger people, your life will only get busier. Every new phase of life is oftentimes with an added responsibility, right? So, but I would say that you should take advantage of the seasons you are in, especially those of us who maybe are in a season where there is more time. The natural inclination, I think, when we have time is just rest. And there's a place for that, for sure. But, I don't know, one thing that I've been learning more and more, it really is the day-to-day things that make the most impact in the long run, right? Any of us can do that once in a blue moon, really big thing for the Lord, right? That Disneyland moment, if you will, right? But what are you doing day to day, right? Those are the things I want you to think about. And those of us who are maybe very busy, and a lot of our time is drawn, we don't have as much free time, do the things you're doing with the intention to glorify God, and then you fight for those little moments to make much of him. So I I saw this meme, it's like a little girl's in front of her dad's car, and she has a screwdriver, and she like scraped in the side of his car, I love you daddy, (laughs) and I'm sure the father has mixed feelings about that, (laughs) at one sense. He's like, oh my goodness, that's gonna cost a lot of money. But he understood the intent of his daughter was because of his love. One thing I want us to remember, and I think it's helpful, is that in many ways I think our works for the Lord are like that, right? It's, it's, it's crude, <laughs> it's basic, it's messy, but it's because we're seen through Christ's righteousness that any of our works are accepted. I think that's helpful to think that way because one, it keeps us from feeling like I can never impress God. Well, in one sense, you can't. It's because of Christ. And two, if maybe we're erring on the side of pride, oh man, look at me, look at me, We can remember that apart from Christ, what is it? Right? It's not worth anything. Um... So, how do we persevere in the spiritual disciplines? So we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit plays an incredible role in that, how the role of fellowship plays a role in that, and how struggling plays a role in our, our ability to persevere. So starting in the role of the Holy Spirit. All of us who have trusted in Christ for salvation have received the Holy Spirit. He dwells in us and is the author of our holiness. Wherever the Holy Spirit dwells, His presence creates a hunger for holiness. His office is to magnify Christ, and it is He who regenerates us and gives us a desire for godliness. Apart from the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit, it is impossible for us to please God, or even to have a desire to please God, honestly. Um, Ephesians 1:13 through 13-14 teaches us that we are sealed with the Spirit, when we believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. I'll read it right now. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit is a deposit given to us by God to assure us that he will complete our redemption when Christ returns. The Spirit, therefore, plays a vital role in enabling us to persevere in our Christian walk. That's one of the most amazing things. Yeah, it's like we're saved, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and if there's anyone more motivated for the glory of God, it's going to be God himself. And so he will work us to holiness Sometimes it's in disciplinary means, but that's not a bad thing. I think the more I live, the more I realize God's discipline is sweet and good. It's never too hard. It's always right for the occasion, even though I or you may not see it in the moment. And if we always remember, God's discipline is always meant to lead to restoration. It's never meant to lead to ultimate separation. And so I hope that as parents, those of you who want to be parents or are parents, that you remember that in your discipline as well. Discipline is never meant to be an end of itself. It's a means to restoration. It's a means to draw them to see God and righteousness and their need of a Savior and a reminder that the ultimate discipline for mankind was condemnation because of their sin, but Christ frees us from that. The Holy Spirit, oh, we said that. The Holy Spirit leads us in our sanctification. In Romans eight thirteen through 14, we read the following. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Amazing. You know what's funny when you don't number your pages and you have them double-sided? That's always going to cause you problems. Let me just let you know that right now. Okay. Got it. All right. So we have fellowship with God. We are sons of God through the Holy Spirit. But another or evidence of this is that we also are part of a people. It's impossible to be in fellowship with God without also being in fellowship with his people. I am not in the right place. Okay. Romans eight thirteen through 17, 2 Timothy. Okay, one moment, please. There we go. My apologies. All right. So we read um, Romans eight thirteen through 14. We're going to go to 2 Timothy 1, 7. Uh, the Holy Spirit produced within us both the desire as well as the ability to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. 2 Timothy 1, 7 reads... For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, in one sense, it's okay for you to say that in me or in us alone, we can't accomplish anything. But it is through the Holy Spirit who supernaturally enables us that we are able to desire to obey God and are, by his grace, empowered to do it. Um. I don't know. Much of my life has always been about I want to do things in my power. I'm responsible. I have to. I have to put my effort in. It's all about what I can do, right? And and I don't think that that's necessarily separate from like that. There's a sense of responsibility in the Christian life, right? But more and more, I'm ju- I just realize, like, man, even the things that I do well, it's because of God's grace. Um, and I, I just look back and I think, man, Lord, I. How many things did I claim for my own glory when it was actually always yours, right? And that's probably one of the most precious things as a Christian now is that I say this a lot. I say um, Christians are probably, are, no, not probably, are the only people group who can actually live this life to its fullness. And one of the reasons is that is that we are the only ones who, I mean, there are other, we see the glory of God in creation, and our desires to take it exactly where God wants us to take it to, to the praise of his name. Everybody else may see goodness in creation, but never do they take it to the praise of his name. They end it somewhere in infinitely shorter than that end goal. And so I'm just so thankful, and, and we should be thankful that we can see and enjoy the gifts of God, but not at the expense of removing the praise of the giver, that the gift is only as good as it allows us to go closer to him. Any use of a gift any other way is idolatry. Hopefully, we've seen this in our lives. In areas where sin once reigned, the Holy Spirit has purified. Where you used to love the things of the world, you can now honestly say that you love and seek the things of God. Yes, we still stumble and fall, but we can be confident that God's Spirit will continue to help us to grow in conformity to Christ. If we are in Him, our final destination is certain. Romans eight twenty nine through 30 one of my favorites. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. I love that glorification is something that we wait for that day when we now have new bodies, when that old man or old woman has been removed completely. And now we stand in front of God with our new bodies and face-to-face. And although we do not know exactly how that's going to be now, once we're face-to-face, we'll be exactly as we ought to be. And yet, Paul knows that this is a future event. And yet he is so certain of it that he speaks of it in the past tense. Let that be encouraging to you. As difficult as life may be, as maybe trials may seem very long and heavy, in comparison to what will be revealed to us in glory, it is not worth comparing. If we have trusted in Christ, we know that God has predestined us for glory. This means there will come a time when we shall be completely and perfectly conformed to Christ. The Holy Spirit enables us to persevere as we wait for that day. God, who began a good work in us, will carry it on to completion when Christ returns. As we read earlier in Ephesians, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us is the guarantee or the seal that this will be accomplished. That should encourage us greatly. God has not started a work and now expects you and I to try our best to complete it. And if you don't make it, well, too bad. At least I gave you a a head start. What you do with it is up to you. It's not like that. He has given us his spirit, so let us be strong in the Lord. If we desire to grow in the disciplines, we must continue to pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work in our lives. It's really interesting. I've been thinking a lot lately about the idea like, okay, so... God knows all things, and God moves all things according to his will. He does whatever he pleases, and we're called to pray that his will be done. And in one sense, we can say, but he's going to do everything already, right? Why pray? But more and more, I realize it's not so much because God is going to somehow change his will because of our prayer, but it's more because it aligns our hearts rightly. Does that make sense? And so, just thinking about that, like you, like you'll pray for your your lost friend or coworker, or you'll pray uh, for for sin to be killed in your life, or you're gonna pray that uh, your pastors preach faithfully, and and then you can just walk away smiling, like God will do His will. Like as much as in this moment, I might have a very strong sense of wanting God to be glorified. God is glorified and he will be glorified and none will stay that, none will slow or hinder that. And so what that draws us is it shouldn't draw us to not pray but to just pray even more. Zechariah 4.6, last one on the first page says, Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So, living in the reality that this life already has a finish point, that the finish line is predetermined, that we know that God wins, right? That should not drive you to despair or indifference, but rather it should give you much joy and encouragement. Because although God lives in and outside of time and time is but a tool for him, And we kind of are winded by time, right? We are in it. We can't really separate ourselves from that. So sometimes, many times, it seems like, man, God's will is being hindered, or I'm not loving Christ as I ought to, or there's just so much going on. How is this going to end? It doesn't feel like we're going to get to God's glory. It's not about your feelings. (laughs) Objectively speaking, it will come to pass. There is a finish line, and you are crossing it. Some of us may run across the finish line. Some of us may crawl across the finish line. But the reality is we all make it because it's Christ who's pulling us there. There's um, there's a video I watch. It's a gentleman. uh, His YouTube channel is called Full of Eyes. And he does a lot of animations of of biblical principles and just gives you like a visual means to see it. And there's this one um, video I remember where he has... Essentially, there's the saints, and they're wearing their white and gold clothing, and they're on a cross, and the cross is being used almost like a raft, and it's on a pool of blood, right? It's like an ocean as vast, You see, it's all red, it's all blood, and there's a string coming from their heart, and they're all being pulled by these strings, and they're holding it, and you're like, what is this string going to? And the camera goes, and it's a visual, visualization of the Holy Spirit as a bird. And so we see that it's the blood of Christ that is the foundation of making the cross effective, that their foundation is Christ alone, the life and death of Christ. And they are being pulled to glory, or they're being pulled to that finish line, not by their marriage, they're not the one paddlings. they're not the ones that are the engine of that effort, but rather it is the Holy Spirit taking them all the way. Ah, it's one of my favorite visualizations. Favorite now, so that was the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's go to the next section of the role of fellowship when it comes to uh, keeping the disciplines of the faith. Christian fellowship also plays a role in our perseverance in the practice of the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual maturity involves a deepening of our fellowship with God first and foremost, but most definitely his people. God has placed us in a body of believers as a means for our growth, as well as for the growth of others. Our fellowship is not just with God, but also with his people. It is impossible to be in good fellowship with God without also being in good fellowship with his people. This is a lesson that took me a lot longer than I care to admit to learn that. It's crazy to think that there was a time that I thought all I needed was my Bible. All I needed was, as long as I got sermons online... As long as I have my theological books, I'll be fine. What a pity how many years maybe you guys have well have wasted just allowing yourself to essentially be your only discernment. <laughs> but in fellowship, you have what? You have the gifts of the Spirit. All of us have gifts. And as God always seems to show us, it's better to give than to receive. I don't have all the gifts. You do not have all the gifts. We do not have all the wisdom. We have it all in Scripture. But God has moved his people through seasons and gifted his people in particular so that we may pour one to another. And I think that's probably one of the dangers that I think we face as Christians in a first world country like this because we have so many resources accessible very, very quickly. So it'll play something like this. Man, I'm having this issue. Yeah, I could call my brother or my sister, but if I just Google it, I don't have to do any of that. Right? Now, let me just say this. There's nothing wrong with doing research first. Honestly, if I have a brother or sister who keeps coming to me and asking me questions and they don't even bother looking it up, I'm going to redirect them, right? But on the other side is someone who only ever looks it up themselves and never confers or seeks wisdom, making sure, checking, right, proof-checking, and thus they essentially live on an island, right? With good theology or bad, we don't know because they live on an island, right? So that's why it's so important that the ideas that we're doing here, this life-on-life fellowship that we are seeking to do in the discipleship groups, it must be something that you seek to do. Yes, sir. Is it proper to say that you have good theology if it is disconnected from the Bible? (laughs) Yes. So so (laughs) the question is, can one truly have good theology if they're living on their island? The answer is ultimately that shows you that your theology is flawed. Or let me put it this way. I mean, because you can have the facts, but are you filtering into proper response, right? Um, I mean, I think that's often our—one second— That's often the inconsistency of the Christian life, right? I think all of us could make a very thorough list of what sin is, but we still sin. So what's that about? Is it that our list is wrong? Some of us, probably. Most of us, though, I think it's very clear in God's word, but drawing to application, that's where we falter. Uh, Yes, Brother Christian. I I, I just want to say this. If if everybody doesn't know this, Google searches can be manipulated. So don't trust which is even more reason for you to go to other brothers true to to the true that's right uh, one benefit of the Christian faith is that it's historical so what that means is if you come up with some bright idea guess what you can look it up <laughs> if your first place to look is in the community you have maybe in another community in the world and then start going back in time and if your idea is a novel approach you're probably wrong right God is faithful to his word Uh, Yes, we have seen revivals and and renewals of certain truths that maybe were put to the side or or fell off the shelf, if you could say it that way. But there's nothing that's going to be new. Do you understand? Um, We should not pursue the spiritual disciplines in a way that causes us to neglect contributing to the lives of other Christians. Instead... We are to pursue the spiritual disciplines in the context of proper biblical fellowship. Christianity isn't meant to be lived in isolation. We're not to fly solo. And I know some of you might be like, I'm not solo, I have the Holy Spirit, I have the Bible. We're talking about community in the church, okay? Remember that God has called us to be a people, a people who are zealous for good works. That said, we might fall in another error, which is that, we start to think fellowship is the same thing as socializing. Although socializing is often both a part of and within the context of fellowship, it is possible to socialize without fellowship. We can get together with other believers and talk about everything except spiritual matters. Socializing involves the sharing of human and earthly life, while Christian fellowship involves the sharing of spiritual life. Here's another way, and I think we probably are most tempted in this way in our particular context, is that we will share spiritual things, but it will always always be an arm length away. So I've been in D groups, different ones, I've heard different people, and our church has no problem with saying the right answer. The problem is, I don't know how that vague answer you gave has any personal, actual ramifications in your life. So, uh, so like, maybe this could be a challenge for you this week as you go through the D group questions. If you can give me an answer, but I see nowhere you inside of it, then you haven't gone far enough with that question, right? God doesn't just command you to be able to read his word and and repeat the answer, give the right answer. The question is, now that you have the answer, treat it like a mirror in your life and now live in light of what you see. And those are the things that need to happen amongst believers. I know it's scary. It's always going to be scary to be vulnerable with people, especially if the topic that's at hand in fellowship is an area that you are very weak in. I know it can be very difficult to have to feel man I'm still in this sin I'm still in this weakness do I have to share it again and again but you see that's the problem is the distortion the bible says when you bring these things to light there's healing your flesh says no 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 keep it in the dark because that's where we're safe right so I don't know if that's maybe an issue you guys have, I know that's always been an issue for me. It's like, man, I don't want to share. Okay, I shared that one time, but I can't do it again. That's crazy. You see the way they looked at me? <laughs> right? But remember, we're all people who are sinners, yet we're saved by grace. And it is often the sharing of these truths that rem- the, of, of our sins that actually remove its power. Because it's not real power, do you understand? Uh, your flesh is very clever. I always think of it like the Wizard of Oz, right? I don't know, maybe some of you know Wizard of Oz. The the big Oz is really just a man behind a curtain. He's only as big as you believe the illusion. Does that make sense? And so, this, uh, in one way, we always sing a song. Uh, it speaks uh, there's a line that says that sin, it calls it canceled sin. So I just want you to think about that for a second. Sin was the means in which drew you to death. But for the Christian, all sin is canceled. So what that means is, although it can cause great pain and hurt in your life and others, and it still displeases the Lord when we do it, it has no longer its lethal blow. Do you understand? Oftentimes, sin can seem so weighty because of that fact, oh, I'm in sin, oh, maybe I lost my salvation, maybe, maybe I'm not saved. And I'm not saying that there isn't anything wrong inherently of letting sin get you thinking, right? But I do say we have to be careful because sometimes we only define sin as the pre-Christian. Does that make sense? Forgetting that in Christ these things are canceled. In Christ we are no longer a slave to these things. In Christ we will see him in glory because he paid for these sins, right? Right? So what's the proper response when seeing it that way? I'm not saying that you won't sin, though I plead that we all pray that God would conform us more and more to the Son, that we would not pray. I mean, we should have a heart to never sin. Does that make sense? The reality is in the fallen world, we will. But when we sin, oh my, how quick we should go to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are sinned against or we see a brother or sister in sin, how quick we should be to forgive them and draw their eyes to Jesus Christ. It cannot remove you from Christ because it has been paid for. It is not the enemy that it used to be because you have a victor in Christ Jesus. Uh, J.I. Packer defines fellowship as the following. It's a seeking to share in what God has made known of himself to others as a means to finding strength, refreshment, and instruction For one and one another's soul. The mutual encouragement we enjoy from Christian fellowship will help us to advance in holiness. As we meet up regularly with other believers, whether one-on-one, in a small group, or for corporate worship, we are exhorting one another to grow in godliness. Other Christians can encourage us to persevere in the spiritual disciplines. This is probably one of the verses we often quote often. Proverbs 27:17, Iron sharpens iron and the one man sharpens another. Oftentimes we don't want to be sharpened when we're on the negative side of that, yeah? Um, but honestly, I think all of us would say looking back, it's often under the discipline of whether it's directly through, in Christ through the spirit or it's the means God uses through another believer. Looking back on it, those are probably the sweetest moments. Because in the moments that you see yourself at your lowest, you are able to see Christ more clearly, which he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. As God's people, we all have a duty to meet together regularly for the purpose of encouraging one another to persevere in our Christian walk. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to loving good works, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So I think sometimes the shift that we need to have, I think most of us are, I mean, the fact that you're here in Sunday school, usually there's a certain pattern here. Those who go to Sunday school tend to go to service, those who tend to do Sunday school and service tend to go to prayer meeting, and that's a wonderful pattern to have. But always be careful. Because we can get into a practice of doing the right things externally, but our heart drifts, yeah? So it's just always good to be a reminder. You're in the right place, (laughs) but just ask yourself and pray that are you in the right heart? Because although although we as your brothers and sisters may not be able to see the difference, the Lord does. And the Lord provides reprieve from a hardening heart or a drifting heart. But if you're not examining, how will you ever know, right? God intends mutual edification to take place through the fellowship of Christians in the church. We have to be deliberate in our efforts to encourage each other, okay? So we have to be deliberate to be here, but on top of that, you have to be deliberate to encourage one another. So guess what that means? You have to talk to people, (laughs) right? And not just talk to people, but like we said, you have to begin to speak about Christian fellowship. Not just, hey, let's do Christian fellowship. <laughs> we should do it sometime, right? Begin to speak about the things of the Lord for the sec- for the sake of mutual encouragement. So the, maybe the challenge is, it could be for us, maybe there are people that you have strong bonds with, but maybe your bonds are more social than they are in fellowship. So maybe what needs to happen is you need to just start moving in that direction. Maybe some of you have people that you have a heart for, but you just haven't pulled the trigger, you haven't stepped forward to speak to them, maybe that's where you need to be. Now, maybe you could be a Christian who does really good fellowship and does speak to people, and maybe for those who are maybe more at the matured, that maturity level, maybe it would be good for them to be like, wait a second, maybe I'm getting comfortable, and there are brothers and sisters in here that are just kind of being neglected, Maybe for those of us who are doing it well, maybe need to do a fresh look and say, are there people I don't know? Are there people that are coming in here and maybe because of their lack of understanding of good quality fellowship, they just come in and then they leave? Maybe those people also need to be prayerfully pursued. One of the biblical images of the church is that of a body, with each believer representing a different part. Ephesians 4, 15-16. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Each one of us has a role to play in contributing to the proper working of the local church. And as the body grows, each individual Christian is built up as well. As we practice the spiritual disciplines, we help to strengthen the fellowship of believers in the church. Biblical fellowship, in turn, will strengthen our individual practice of the spiritual disciplines. Without true fellowship, even the Christian who is ardently practicing the spiritual disciplines will not develop in a spiritually balanced way. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I think that's one of the realities I experienced. Um, God was very good to me uh, to put a lot of resources early in my walk that were very God-glorifying. The problem is, because I was living in my own little island, I would only ever see my strength, and even that was just perceived. (laughs) Maybe it wasn't really a strength. And my weaknesses, I was ignorant of them. I was none the wiser. And so years and years of just being imbalanced, right? So I know some of us might be, but Wally, I'm already X amount of years or is I can't make it back. You know, I can't go back. That's, that's not the point. God always wishes to reveal sin and reveal uh, weaknesses so that you can resolve from this day moving forward, whether you're seven or 17 or 77, whether you're going to have 50 years ahead of you, or maybe you only have a week left Seek to glorify God in it. Resolve that today will be the day, prayerfully, that I will change things. Okay? It's never too late. Okay. He, uh, we, okay. When we, when we are outside the spiritual protection that God intends for us in biblical fellowship, it is much easier to be deceived by sin. He's basically saying that if we neglect the local church, in our Christian life, we are walking a path or living a life that is dangerously close to that of a non-Christian. It is possible that such a person is self-deceived, and we might, might we might not be a Christian at all because he doesn't have the help of the local church. I saw this so often in my college years. So many young men and women who were kind of like in their own little echo chamber, yeah? They they think they're Christian, but they're sleeping around. They think they're Christian, but they never desire or love God. They just love everything else. But the difference is because I have the, the Jesus bracelet or because I go to the, to the local university Bible club, I'm good to go, right? And God is, was very good to get a lot of the, for me to have some interaction with them. And some of them responded um, well to the word. And they, they, they realized they were hungry. They were just stifled. They didn't. Re- they thought they were eating solid food, and it wasn't. And they're like, you know what, I want, I would always, that's one of the things I think you most encourage people in. Encourage people to faithful attendance to a solid church. Encourage people to be engaged in the church that they are going to. Um, it's just like I said, I think America just has that very strong independent streak. And there are many strengths to that and there are many blessings because of that. But apart from Christ, that is the God, right, to do you. And we see that all around with all these crazy ideas that are coming around. What is the underlying kind of like goal of that is I want to do what I want to do. Don't you dare tell me that there is some authority that's higher than me. Uh, Thomas Watson, a Puritan, said this. As we associate with sanctified persons, they may, by their counsel, prayers, and holy example, be a means to make you holy we should examine our involvement with the lives of other believers consider whether more regular fellowship can help you be more faithful in the spiritual disciplines I I don't want to say consider it will okay it's not a consider God has a means so one thing I'll leave you guys with is this I think that you should be very intentional with your fellowship and at the very least maybe think of it in three categories you should always have a believer in your life that you're intentional with that's an older believer than you. Second, you should always have a category of people that are walking, running alongside you, and then you should always have people that are younger in the faith than you. You should always be trying to fill these spots, okay? Why is that important? One, older teach the younger, so you should always be looking up, Second, we're running alongside together. You need people that you're doing that day to day. And then if older teach the younger, the older need to look for the younger, right? Now the thing is, I know a lot of us might have this like stereotype of like, well, if I'm not married and my kids aren't believers, then how can I how can I there's no one I'm not ready to teach someone. Do you know who Christ is? Do you read your word and love him? Then you can share truths. Do you understand? And also understand, although there should be a parallel in terms of godliness and season of life, it's not always like that. God doesn't save all of us at child, at child, at being a child. Not God doesn't save us all the time at being single. Some of us hear our testimonies that God can save us very late in life after us having many, many, already the responsibilities of fatherhood and, and whatever else may entail. What you're looking for is you need to look for people that love the Lord. Okay? So I challenge I guess the people I challenge the most are the older people because it can be very easy to, I know how it is, to start getting more and more disconnected. This is how I imagine it feels like, okay, you're growing up and you're kind of like in the center of how life works, and then all of a sudden you wake up and you're like, why is everything foreign around me, right? I imagine that's how it must feel. You don't even realize it, but you're not at the center of what seems to be on everyone's phone or messages or whatever the case, and we can feel antiquated. We can feel like, ah, they're not gonna understand. And maybe in a worldly perspective, that's true. But the wonderful beauty about Christianity is there's always a common denominator, and that's Christ. So whether you read a King James Version Bible, whether you have a a physical copy or a digital copy, the truths of God are always true, and they're always good for every season. So I would just say if you're an older believer, seek to bless a younger believer. And if you're a younger believer and you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I see the older people, but they're not coming to me. Go to them. <laughs> what are they going to say? No? Okay. And hopefully you'll shame them for that, right? Hopefully you'll shame them that you go there and be like, I want to grow in Christ. Can you help me? And hopefully that would draw them to do that. I've seen, I think we have a lot of older people in Christ here that I think could do a wonderful job to serve the younger. They're just too afraid to take that first step. So maybe the younger needs to be the generation that takes the initiative to step out on that vulnerability and say, please help me, and we can see what the Lord will do. Well, one, so the last, I have to skip a lot of stuff, but the last, so I'm skipping the whole struggle thing, but you have the verses there, so you can take a look at that. But I will kind of, I'll end it like this, the idea that when you struggle, you get to see really what your foundation is. Does that make sense? Anyone, everyone can say they believe this or that and I would stake my life on it. But when your life is actually at stake, that's when you'll see if what you believe is actually what you believe and if it's actually able to hold you, okay? So don't be afraid of struggle. God uses trials all the time to help shave away those false hopes that you put in things or people or false ideas of God. So please, 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 God works all things for our good. Trials are a wonderful thing. God disciplines those whom he loves. If he doesn't discipline you. You're not his child, okay? And then here's the last thing. We talked about a lot of disciplines. Uh, we talked, like I said, Bible reading, sin, uh, fighting sin, fasting, prayer, evangelism, service. So that's a lot. So here's my suggestion to you, and this is kind of how I live my life. I, I, I want you to think about your life using the word relationship. So you can break it up like this. My relationship with God, my relationship with my family, my relationship with the world. So this is more like people, right? So your secondary family, your neighbors, your coworkers, and then your relationship with your stewardship. So this is time, money, resources, okay? Go through the disciplines of the faith that we have and begin to write. Do if you, if you have a biblical engagement of that discipline in that category? You just go through. So, with my Bible reading, yeah, yeah, God, family, yeah, stewardship, and uh, the world, and I almost forgot a big one. We just talked about it. God's people, yeah. So I'll just give you one example. So we're talking about Bible reading, right? So the first question is, how is my Bible reading in regards to my relationship with God? If you don't read it, you already got a problem. You already know what you got to fix. Maybe you read it, but you don't come out praising and glorifying God. You've disconnected the Bible. You're using it for some way, somehow wrongly. Okay. Next thing, with your family, are you making much of Christ with those who God has given you? That answers the question. Next one, are you doing it with your church family? I think that's often the case that we'll come in here, we'll praise God, we'll be sitting next to each other hearing the word, but we never speak the word to one another. Right? With the world, that's the evangelism part of it. And then with your money, time and resources. Does can I tell that you read the Bible and take it seriously by how you steward what God has given you? Okay? And that's all you do and then you go to the next one, prayer. You go to fat you can do all these areas and what you're going to have is you're going to have a very good kind of like chart of the areas that you may have very good strengths in and some that you're just completely zero and that's okay but you can't fix what you don't know does that make sense you need to examine yourself so that's where I would leave you and then you just go at it one at a time study the notes that we've gone through go through scripture to learn these things again and resolve to live them out day by day in all those areas and God will help you In one sense, Christianity is very simple. It's not, spiritual disciplines aren't hidden. They're they're not symbolic. It's very clear what they are. You just got to do them. I think the fear is we think we're going to go from zero to 100 in one day. Just make intentional steps, and the Lord will be with you. Let me close this in prayer. Father God, we're just so thankful that ultimately, when it's all said and done, we are right with you, not because of what we do, because what you have accomplished in full through Christ Lord, I just ask that you help us as a people to live more in light of you and your glory and your riches and your majesty, Lord, that we would understand that we are bought with a price, we are not our own, and that we love you. Man, Lord, how crazy. Maybe we've taken it for granted that we have positive affections for you and we know that the Bible makes it clear this cannot be done by our own selves. Flesh only produces flesh but it is by the Spirit that we now have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to respond in praise. Father, help us to live that out practically. You have called us to be good stewards of our family and friends and your word and our money and our time and resources. And Lord, we just ask that you help us to examine ourselves from this day till the day we see you, Lord, so that we can give these things back to you multiplied, not for our glory, not for our salvation, but to you for your glory and your praise. For, Lord, anything that we have is already yours. We just ask that you would bless our hands, Lord, so that your name will be proclaimed in every thought, word, and deed. We long for the day that our faith will be sight and our prayers will turn to praise. Until that day, Lord, be with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.